Yo, 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 yo. Uh, just wanted to get... Hey, this is Noah. Of my favorite podcast. Normally the episodes don't uh, fucking start like this, but a uh, couple things. Uh, first and foremost, number one, thanks for listening to the show, as always. Number two, uh, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, uh, my audio sucks in this episode, and I don't really know why, to be totally honest with you. I don't think I did anything different than what I normally do, but obviously I did because it uh, is pretty much cracking and peaking the entire time. So my apologies on that. Uh, I've done a little bit to it to make it not as crazy, so hopefully it won't be too big of an issue. Uh, but I did want to just come out and apologize for that straight up off the bat. Uh, the second thing being uh, we are on a Zoom call uh, on this episode. Uh, my guest is great. It's a really good episode. Uh, there just happened to be <laughs> the crime of the century happening, I guess, right outside wherever he was recording because uh, there's a lot of sirens uh, and a lot of just city things happening uh, in this in this episode. We reference it. It's part of the ultimately becomes part of the thing. But if that really pisses you off, if that really just gets your goat in a way that is impossible for you to uh, get over, my apologies. Um, there's nothing I could have done about it. There's nothing he could have done about it. It just is the way it is. But this is a fun episode. Uh, we have a really good conversation, so please stick around. I uh, just wanted to make sure that everyone was aware of what maybe it will sound like a little different than how the episodes normally sound. So without further ado, here's the show. Thanks. Okay. Boom. Boom. Let's rock and roll. Here we go. Welcome to my favorite podcast with Noah Marger. squad donda who the mom donda who could see donda get don c who needs practice i don't do rehearsals and i don't do commercials because they too commercial give it all to god and let jesus reimburse you she said you in the studio with who i'ma hurt you how i'm 42 and you got a curfew how nerves dictate how they gonna curve you that is Damn from <laughs> that is from Keep my spirit alive by Mr. West himself. Off Donda. If you didn't listen to Donda, that's what you can look forward to on Donda, which is kind of cool. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I know it was sort of a insane week when that came out because it was that, you know, and everyone was like, ah, oh, when's this fucking album going to come out? When can, when can I move on to some other thing in my life? Uh, and then, uh, certified lover boy came out and just crapped all over the sheets <laughs> of, of everyone was like, all right, now you gotta listen to this one too. So yeah, I'm taking Donda every time over that one. And if that pisses you off, you know where to find me. <laughs> you, you know where to get at me, get in those DMS. Talk to me about Donda. Talk to me about certified lover boy. Not going to answer though. Welcome to my favorite podcast. This is the podcast about people's favorite things. I'm the host of the show, whether you like it or not. 
Probably not. No Marger. Another week. I actually have a guest this week, unlike last week, where it was just me fucking talking to the mic by myself for what is invariably too long. It's probably one of the shortest episodes of this podcast, all things considered. It's like 50 minutes or something like that. That's about 49 minutes too long, maybe even 50 too long. But have no fear. The guest is here to save us. From an from an evil episode. This is not an evil episode. It might get evil, but I hope not. I actually do hope a little bit it gets evil. But let's introduce him. My guest today is a writer, director, and editor based out of Brooklyn, New York, who's produced spots for Fujifilm, Spotify, and Google, just to name a few, as well as music videos for Marshmallow, Elohim, and A Day to Remember, among others. And maybe, maybe, most importantly of all, Directed Noah Marger, the man himself, in the short-lived cult hit, The Slam Show, by Slam Magazine. It was huge. It was a big event. <laughs> people, were, people, people were pissed. People were like, why did you cast him? It was controversial. Everyone was mad. But they loved it. <laughs> they ate it up anyway. They loved it. They said, yum. We were wrong. <laughs> we were wrong. It's like tapioca pudding. It looks like it's not going to be good. And then you eat that shit and you're like, God, that's the only thing I want in my life. We're so happy to have <laughs> so happy to have him here today. All the way from Brooklyn, New York. Please welcome. Making his podcast debut? Maybe? Is that true? I think so. I was on one weird thing years ago that... Let's say yes. Let's go for a yes. All right. I Making know. his official yes. podcast debut, Phil Vernon. Phil, welcome to the show. What's the vibe? Oh, the vibe is great. Um, it's a pleasure. <laughs> uh, the vibe is that, you know, I gave Noah the runaround on the on the, the pre-production <laughs> for this podcast. So that's the vibe. There's a little bit of guilt thrown in, so I'm going to do my best to, uh, okay. to have a, an amazing debut. That's what I want for you. <laughs> and for me as well. Um, I, I want that for both of us. Um yeah, let's go ahead. We usually do this on my other show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that bit from it's on the list and put it over here because uh, I'm not afraid of Mason. To be honest with you, I'm not afraid of what he can do to me. And in fact, if anything, he should be afraid of me. What I can do to him. But we're gonna do a peek, reek, scram behind the production curtain of this one. Uh, I asked Phil to come on the show, <laughs> and uh, in a jet lag induced haze basically told me what he would do if he brought on if he came on to my other podcast it's on the list and i didn't know exactly what was going on but i'm like hey let's do it let's i'm not gonna say no to this this is this is a completely fine topic and then the day before we were supposed to record he's like hey i think i fucked up i think i thought i was gonna be on your other show instead and i was like you know what i kind of thought that that maybe was the case what what happened on your end of things in that moment what made you realize like oh i think i may have gotten my wires crossed yeah to be completely honest um i thought i was on your other show for this is pre i, w- I recently went to europe yes. right before my trip you're like want to be on this podcast my mind is racing i want to be on your podcast that is no question so it's an immediate sure. yes don't really read the text assume it's your other show which i've listened to quite a bit um, okay and so that's kind of where that assumption came from went on this trip whatever you're like hey are we going to do this podcast also what do you want to talk about and so i chose a movie and an album because sure. that's what i thought we were doing um also a movie i had not seen but i've been wanting to see so oh you then had when never I, seen that film before 
No, I was like, this is a great chance to like, maybe I'll hate it. That could be really fun for that show. Mm -hmm. Okay, very did, interesting. Didn't did not hate Sorcerer, uh, the film in question. Um, but then actually, it was truly uh, an Instagram post. I think of my favorite podcast that I saw, and I was like, right, that's Noah's other show. That's that's what I'm going. <laughs> on. And that was the day before, so I debated just acting like Sorcerer was my favorite movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I ultimately I was like, that's that's not going to be good content, and I don't want to do that. So um, I texted you. We figured something out, and instead of giving you one favorite, I still required you to listen <laughs> to three albums in a day. So, <laughs> yeah, very pretty swag of you. <laughs> pr pretty pretty brutal, pretty brutal guest, I'll admit, but I appreciate you. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> the, I will say this is probably no. the only the only other time that I've been like. <laughs> this down to the wire on something uh was when actually a man who will be coming up later uh actually um our mutual friend thomas saradarian mm -hmm. the first time that he ever came on the show mm -hmm. uh he got food poisoning or like the flu or something like that and like couldn't do the show and it was like th like two days before so i quickly pulled in my good friend mason and said i need you to just help me out with this you were gonna come on the show at one point anyway and literally i think in two days i just threw together a show which is basically the same amount of time uh that you and i had for this and that ended episode ended up being great so there's no reason to think that this shit ain't going to be fun for the people out there. There's no reason to think that. But uh, it was definitely a tizzy because I'm also in the process of moving right now. And so I'm standing outside of an apartment complex right next to the five. Like as like it's like I'm trying to get into this apartment complex to let someone talk to me because no one's picking up my calls. And I get this text and you're like, hey, can we talk? And I'm like, he's about to fucking cancel on me. I'm about to be SOL again because I had a cancellation last week for a very valid and fair reason. But I was just like, fuck, what's happening in my life right now, bro? It was crazy. So you actually did the opposite. You actually uh, gave a shit about the show, which is great. That's what I want. So. Thank you, Phil. Ultimately, thank you for that. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll do everything I can to give you as much work as possible in <laughs> yeah, the future. Exactly. So I just want to make your life hell. So that's that's what I'm doing here. Well, you did. So congrats. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my, my life's fucking hell. Podcasting is hell. People, podcasters go through the most shit in society. As far as I'm concerned, we have the most uphill battle. So you just piling on top of that, piling on top of the podcaster's plight. So congratulations. Um, Happy to be a part. Can I ask you? Uh, yeah, congrats. Uh, can I ask you Noe's question? Please. Okay, let's do it. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba, it's Noe's question. My question for you today, mm -hmm. Phil. Mm -hmm. We're talking about music. We're talking about genre quite a bit today. I actually think I may have asked this Noe's question to a guest in the past, so I'm sorry to be recycling this question, but I think it's perfect for this topic as well. So... Sometimes you just got to go back to the well because mm, 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 that water tastes good. <laughs> and I think that this water tastes good as fuck. Uh, what is a genre of music that you used to dislike and now enjoy or and or a genre that you used to like and now don't like as much? So I'm going to start with the latter. Um, okay. In high school, I, I think it was... A let me back up. I didn't really 
like I wasn't like much of a music person. I like played trumpet growing up. And then I think it was like seventh or eighth grade. My brother, I was driving with him in the car and he played a band called Streetlight Manifesto. And oh, I let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I let's absolutely go. fell in love. I became namely obsessed with them. Like I could still like put them on and sing along with essentially every single song they've ever recorded. Um, wow. But also just became a ska kid. Like my identity for the next four or five years was that of a ska kid. Just knew the canon, mostly like third wave punk stuff, um, but the old stuff too. And, you know, it would branch out into just like generally like punk in the same vein, like a Green Day or whatever. But sure. was fully a ska kid and didn't really listen to much else. Um, now, I'm not going to go so far as to say I don't like it anymore. Um, <laughs> okay. That, that would be, uh, I don't know. I think... That'd be too uh, dishonest to my my true self and my old self. Um, okay. But I will say I don't advertise that at all. But here I am on a podcast. <laughs> uh, who, who, you know. who do you who can you still dip into of of that? Like who who would you not feel as embarrassed to say like, yeah, I still listen to, for example, less than Jake. Are you wherever you have a, a less than Jake guy? Oh, yeah. They put on they put on great shows for sure. For yes, sure. they do, dude. They're oh, I love I. I'm proud to say I like less than Jake, so I'll, I'll stand in solidarity with you on that one. I appreciate that. Yeah, they're great. Um, I don't still listen to less than Jake very frequently. Sure. Um, I will say Streetlight just because still I think they are like a cut above most other like third wave ska bands. Um, okay, they have more musical influences and like also just they're like what I credit to like getting me into music. Period. So I just have so much respect for that. Um, they like they truly changed my life. Like I don't know if I would be a music person without them maybe but that's what started me and then also jeff rosenstock who doesn't make ska as much anymore but like his yeah i loved i loved arrogant sons of bitches like before he became what he is which is just a brooklyn shithead they're coming to get get you for that (laughs) ska shit the 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 five oh is outside your place right now being like let's go get in the car it's a ska we're gonna throw you in ska jail with all the rest of you freaks i don't think you're allowed to listen to to live in brooklyn and be that (laughs) fucking lame like honestly i know exactly exactly yeah there you are you're going to you're going you're going to swag jail right now (laughs) for not having enough swag to live in fucking brooklyn um anyway okay yeah jeff and his his early stuff uh Mm -hmm. were you a bomb the music industry guy Absolutely. Yeah. Love them. Um, I actually like because I listened to Arrogant Sons of Bitches and then like thought they just dropped off. And then it took a while to finally make the connection that that he made a new band bomb the music industry. And when I found them, they had released a few albums already. And it was just like, yeah, that was that was a gold mine for sure. Um, do you so, listen to like Amerigo's Vespucci and some of his other like side project stuff? Like do you keep up with the whole Jeff universe, which is kind of its own. It is kind of a universe unto itself a little bit. Would you would you agree? I would agree. I think it's becoming less so because he's like on a big label now or like, you know, like a big like indie-ish label. Um, right. And just like has a f- bigger fan base now. So I think it's a little different. But yeah, what was it? Um, Quote unquote records, man. Like some of it was trash. I'm, I, I'm not going to lie about it. Like <laughs> it wasn't all great, but sure. his anything he was like pretty involved in, I thought was was generally pretty great. Um, yeah. And yeah, for sure. I'm just a big stan. Like I've he's he's definitely popped up in papers I've written in school and stuff. Like I, go, I I find a way to get it in there. Yeah. You have to. You have to get Jeff Rosenstock in there. I just talked about worry on the last episode mm-hmm. of this when I was doing my sort of solo little like Noah was gonna take up the you know the spotlight and talk about some of his faves. Worry is that's a ten out of ten album for me. That is, no skips. I think that album's perfect. No skips at all. 
even the songs that I even that like if I had to force rank all the tracks, even the songs that are like at the bottom that I don't listen to outside of listening to the album as a whole, they're still great. Like they're still like bangers top to bottom. He's one of the best guys doing it right now and I'm happy that he's achieving some recognition. You know, he's he's truly one of the best. So yeah, he's, he's been at it for a long time. No, sh- big shout out because uh, and I hope to run into it. And he's a big Brooklyn guy. So hopefully I, you know, see him on the train or some shit and just nerd out in the corner. <laughs> I was just about to say and not go up to him and like say anything <laughs> and just sit, keep sitting down or keep like look the other way and be like, I can't fucking believe this is happening to me. Yeah. I mean, if I did that, then I would have to just start listening to Ska again and then, you know, <laughs> just go backwards a lot, like slide 10 years back somewhere in the lease that you've signed to live in that building is it's like if you get back into ska we can evict you at will basically so um i had that happen to me not with jeff rosenstock but i had a moment where because i feel like if i see someone out who i genuinely like admire normally i don't have an issue just quickly going up and saying hey i know you're busy just wanted to say really admire your work like i think that like they probably like to hear that ultimately, like at the end of the day, if it's like a short interaction like that, I think. But right before the pandemic happened, I was in Atwater Village. I was doing a some some location scouting gig for this Norwegian film company, like a commercial company. And I see Greg Turkington from On Cinema walk out of a building holding a table with this other random dude who I didn't know. And I, it ju- I just froze. I'm like, that is like one of the funniest guys in the entire world. I'm so shell-shocked right now. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, like kind of like when a raccoon makes like eye contact with like a human being, and it's like, oh, they're going through the trash. But to him, I was the raccoon <laughs> about to like go through the trash, and he was just a guy just trying to get on with his day. And I just turned away. I just couldn't do it. I could not approach him. I was too afraid. Uh, but that's that, and that was pre-pandemic, and I really wish I had fucking done it because then I could be well, like, yeah, I've talked to Greg. So he saw it in your it, eyes. I, he saw it in your eyes. Yeah, just in my in my look said everything of you're one of the funniest guys in the world. You're a huge influence on me. Thank you so much. I like everything that you do. He knew that I was saying that to him. Um, is there a genre though that you didn't used to like and have sort of grown into? Maybe to answer the other side of that coin. Um. It's okay if not. I'm just curious. It's more, It's. I think it's less that I like actively didn't like it, but just wasn't into it. I mean, hip hop, which we're always going to talk about later, and I think like yeah. we'll make this all relevant, um, was definitely one only because, I mean, not I mean, not only, purely because I am a white kid from Utah. So it's just like, right. I, I wasn't, I just didn't get it, you know? And it, it was, um, unfortunately, it was, um, it was the aforementioned Kanye West that, uh, broke the seal so to speak Let's and go. um yeah Jesus, Jesus, like i could get into and then and then you know i definitely consider myself a hip-hop fan now um but for a long time just didn't connect with it you know understandably because it's just not where i come from whatsoever um sure and in fact uh there were white kids at in utah in my high school that would make rap and it was really bad um so that probably didn't that probably didn't help my my intro to the genre you know but. you're telling me that white kids from utah aren't spinning bars <laughs> that's what you're telling me right now damn kind of you're kind of shattering the illusion right now for me right now man come on i know it's been known as like a a weird bastion of hip-hop greatness but <laughs> yeah unfortunately you're here to report the facts i'm just reporting the facts 
Um, you've actually given me a great segue uh, into what I want to just sort of talk about for a little bit before we do dive into these albums. You grew up in Salt Lake City, fair to say? Mm-hmm. Is that a fair, 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 is that a fact? Can we, can we put that on the record? Very truthful. Okay. What was sort of your musical journey? You gave us the Streetlight Manifesto sort of in where, how, how have we evolved sort of in terms of our music taste and sort of opening our music horizons over the years? Where did we start? How did we get where we are now? For sure. I think, um, so I think Streetlight, you know, eventually like there's only just so many ska bands, like it's just a small genre. Right. Um, and you know, eventually I want to hear something else than like upstroke guitar and horn. So, um, first of all, like went into punk and that went a few directions, like classics for sure, you know, got into the clash and sex pistols and like television, Patty Smith, like the old, like sure. kind of seventies punk thing. And then, um, some hardcore as well, like a band that I, I still stand big time leftover crack, um, is a cool one. Leftover crack. What's I've never heard of them. What's going on with them? Yeah, they're they're a they're a hardcore punk band. Um, like here, what, let's let's pause. Let's pause for our brother. Yeah, is, that, is that pretty loud? Is that pretty loud? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like insanely loud on my wow. end. Wow. Damn, dude, you are. They are circling. They must have a feed to this pod right now. They're like seventies punk ska. They must have a fucking sniper pointed at the back of your head right now, being like, just fire at will. Yeah, That's if I just good. say if I just say anything about leftover crack being like. You know, anarchist <laughs> communists like uh, it's it's an issue. Yeah, they're they're super left. I actually don't. I, I would need to figure out exactly what their politics are at this point. Maybe it changes sure. per album. Um, but yeah, they uh, you know, we're going to talk about Def Heaven later. They Leftover Crack definitely has some some screamo influences. It kind of ha- combines metal, punk um, and like a little bit of ska. There's definitely some ska in there, too. Hell yeah. Um, but it's uh, they're great. Um, definitely kind of like a culty like a like a cult favorite you know they have a, a strong sure. but small following and then um yeah from the punk thing like you know most of my friends in utah were kind of like indie kids so got into the the shins and passion pit eventually like Classic. wanted to get into my feels a little bit so had to had to bring in an acoustic guitar sometimes <laughs> yeah. and stuff. um and then i think it, it really kind of went from there so really um a whole musical world sort of starts to open up when you just realize like how much is actually out there if you're not confined yeah. to a genre and stuff um, I feel you've, you've probably had this experience as well, but, um, Radiohead became big near the end of, of high school. And then, um, I think, yeah, starting in college, I met, um, a few friends that again, like just like consumed so much more music than I thought possible. Absolutely. And, and then it, again, it grew from there. That's when I got into hip hop. Um, you know, and, and you said Kanye was sort of your, your, your gateway drug into that, into that world. Absolutely. Yeah. Jesus. And then I, then I went to fantasy and then it kind of just became, um, yeah, I, I'm not quite like a hip hop head, but I, you know, I, I know, I, I know the ins and outs now a little bit. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. Does. What does like. When you start like it, well, it's that experience of like realizing that like things that get popular on the radio, you know, or like things that like get like massive play, even like indie quote unquote stuff that gets like massive play when you realize just like how much music there is to consume what does that feel like when you like realize that there's like all that shit out there is it like scary or is it like oh my god like i'm like so excited like dive head first is it both what's that feel like to you because that's kind of an overwhelming experience but i'm curious your take on what that feels like 
For sure, for sure. So I think it used to be excitement, like, yeah, like near the end of high school, listening to all sorts of like, more like rock based stuff. Um, you know, would even like look at band camp or be the kids in the back of class with like, you know, sharing headphones, like yes. fucking iPod classic, like how much shit can we load on here? Um, yeah. And that then it was exciting. It was like, you know, any new band that someone shows me is like super cool or like a new sound like, oh, here's like math rock or here's like, you know, um, you know, like, yeah, emo or like there's chip tune and like all this stuff, um, you know, kind of foreshadowing what we're going to talk about. But like sure. it was super exciting. But now like. I don't know. It's like it's hard enough just to keep up with like kind of like the zeitgeist. Like this is what we should be listening to. Like here's the big release from these artists. Like that feels like a, a part time job in and of itself. So I'm definitely not. It's intimidating to think of all the good stuff that's out there that there's just no way I'm ever going to listen to. I didn't I personally didn't used to listen to albums all the way through, like as much as I would like growing up with the iTunes store and ultimately then transitioning into Spotify. I was like, damn, like I could just listen to like these songs, like whenever I want. Like if I just really got into like certain songs and it wasn't until like end of college that I was like, oh, I can like listen to full albums and have like full experiences with artists as like storytellers. Mm -hmm. When did that when did that sort of like happen for you? And like what was like the transition between that? If there was maybe you were an albums guy straight from the get go, but. I have to imagine probably not because of just the age of which we grew up in. Is that fair to say? Actually, surprisingly, I think I was always kind of an album guy. Um, wow. Mm -hmm. Look at you, an old soul, <laughs> Phil Vernon, the old soul of the podcast. Look at you. I think it's it's maybe the obsessive tendencies where like instead of like you can listen to a new song all the time. But like, sure, if I get to know one album really well, like. Like you said, this I think the storytelling aspect of it, it, it becomes sort of cinematic. So it's like connecting with Absolutely. That, that, that full piece. You know what I mean? Like that's the full piece. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what it is. It's I always, um, you know, obviously there's singles I like. Like I listen to singles, but um, definitely an album listener. Yeah, through and through. How did you arrive at the topic that we are talking about today? Like what what happened in your mind where you're like, this is what I want to talk about because I don't even know if I fully understand exactly what we're getting at today. And that's okay. I'm excited to discover it with you and sort of you giving me the, the keys here to understanding this. But how did you reach this conclusion about this is what I'm going to talk about on the show, as well as what defines a genre-breaking album or a genre-breaking sound? Okay, for sure. Well, first of all, don't give me too much credit. Like, I'm just trying to do something <laughs> weird and, um, you know, like I have an interesting, like, I'm going to find it with you too. Like, this is, you know, I, I, we're, we're, we're working at this together. But, um, you know, the concept is, yeah, like, you know, albums that it's, it's less like genre breaking than like crossover appeal, right? So crossover appeal, sure. Where I got the idea was like, I've recently been, not, not to muddy the waters with so much, so many references, but the new turnstile record um called glow on like i've been listening to a lot and it's like it kind of been like actually like a refresher for me like listening to more like punky hardcore stuff because i haven't sure listened to that as much just like the past year or so um but i've loved it and i've gotten a few messages from friends who know that i'm like a little more into that music and they're like oh my god have you like have you been listening to this new turnstile record and it's all people that like it's like this is way heavier than anything i know you listen to like i'm so wow. surprised that you're into this. And I think it's just because it's genuinely great. And I think we're going to get into this later is like, is it because something specific about the sound is tapping in or is it just that it's that good that like, it doesn't matter what you're usually into. 
Sure. You just like it. So um, we'll see. We'll see. You know, it, it might change based on the albums we're talking about. But I think for this this album specifically, this Turnstile one, I think it's just like really fucking good. And so people are like, they're like, oh, I bet Phil's into this. Like, I want to talk to him about it. <laughs> um, sure. And that's that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, but that's not one of the albums we're talking about, funnily enough. So No, it's not. It's not. I actually don't. I'm not familiar with that album, to be totally honest with you. So I think I'm going to have to add that to my personal list here going forward. Um, how did you, before we actually talk, start talking about the albums themselves, how did you decide on like these are the three that I kind of want to look at, but without getting into specifically each album, like how did you say like these are the three? Um, definitely hitting different genres um, and different like fan bases. Um, I feel like is relevant. Not that it's just like so it doesn't just feel like well yeah there's just like this one kind of genre that like also just pulls sure. from you know what I mean like cherry picks other stuff they like, um, and then I think. Just ones that are like, honestly, there's, I think I have a, a story per album and that'll help. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I think nice. part of it oh, is yeah. that, is that like, I, it's not just like I read online that other people like, like this and to my <laughs> ears, it sounds like this, but like actually things in my life, like, oh, you, like you like this or like, you know, discussions that sure. have happened, um, I think will just, you know, allow for, I don't know, it just feels more real to me as opposed to like YouTube comments, you know? Yeah. The, 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 the. YouTube comments, I think, are the most consistent literature that we've had over the last <laughs> 15 years, whether whether however you want to define like consistency, like obviously think people's ideas about news, you know, cable news, 24 hour news, who owns different news corporations. You know, that conversation has evolved a lot over the last 15 years since YouTube came out. But YouTube, man, those comments consistently the worst thing I've ever read in my entire life of people just it's the shittiest people expressing the dumbest and also like most condescending opinions in the entire world. And yet you have to look at them. You have to look at what people are saying. Can't underneath. look away. You can't look away. It's fucked up. Just I like whatever happened shit. to that guy out there. I'm, I'm going to have to look. You're um, going to have, it's going to be a fucking train wreck, dude. There's going to be some, he's going to be, and they're going to, he's going to be having an iPod and he's going to be listening to real big fish. And they're going to be like, of course, <laughs> of course. And there's this one bullet wound straight right. through the brain. Yeah. And the, and the ambulance is going to drive right on by. <laughs> He's going to be like, wait, 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 hold on. Have you heard, have you heard live beer live from like 20, 2010? Fuck. Oh my God. Have you dude. actually heard the live recording of beer by real big fish? Like I, from I mean, like 2009? Their, um, their live album, in my opinion, like that big, it has like the pink album cover. Yeah. That's their best album. In my opinion, it just has all their hits. It, they're funny <laughs> or like they were when I was 14. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that was like. I don't know just it's like all all of their best songs because they i don't think they have any no skips records like they will always have skips so absolutely absolutely so you know i think that one it does the skipping for you 100 percent. i just remember being a song guy for most of my life mm. up until you know like a year or two ago and just hearing the live version of beer from like whatever like the late 2000s early 2010s and i just remember I will always remember him. I don't even remember what the lead singer of Real Big Fish's name is or who the singer was on this track. But they start out and they're like doing a little like drum thing or whatever. And he goes, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, last time we played this venue, it was like having sex with a dead body. And then he does a little rim shot. And then everyone's like, oh, like groaning or whatever. And he goes, but now tonight, thanks to you guys. 
It's like having sex with an unconscious body. And then an even bigger rim shot. And then they just go into the song and he goes, anyways, I hate this song and I hate all of you. Just kidding. I don't hate this song. And I'm just like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a fucking dickhead. But you love stage. It. Yeah, I love that. I'm always going to remember it. So that's kind of the fun part about it. <laughs> so insane. Uh, Real Big Fish, is, I love them. That's what I'll say. I'll, I love those guys. I can't, can't not love Real Big mm-hmm. Fish. Can't hate on them. Uh, let's get into this first album here, my friend. You, you gave me three albums to listen to. First one I want to talk about is a little album. I had never heard of this album. Never heard of this band before. It's from 2016. It's called Beyond the Fleeting Gales by crying phil what's your relationship to this album how did this album come into your life what's the story yeah i think at the time i was um most of what i was listening to was like kind of the midwest emo stuff the american football tree you know what comes from that sort of that that whole scene um and this basically popped up in that in those discussions you know i think just whether it was whether it was the the uh, hellscape we call YouTube comment section or somewhere <laughs> it, you know, th- it came across, uh, you know, my desktop and, um, I really, really liked it again, had like heard chip tune before was obviously aware of that had like heard music like this. But again, my first thing was like, this is not what I thought the band's name is crying. Sure. Yeah. You think it's yeah. going to be emo, but you look at the album cover, doesn't feel very sad. Um, and immediately like it, it comes out pretty, um, I don't know, uh, power poppy. And um, I did like it. I mean, I, I think part of it, again, is like really genuinely good, great hooks and like it's a fun album. I'm curious if you feel the same, but um, it's it's stuck with me. And like even um, I think the reason it's it's kind of had a resurgence in my life is like six months ago, maybe was playing it um, in front of a friend and they were so into it. Like, what what the fuck is this? This is so weird, right. but great. And um, yeah, because I think, you know, I randomly put it on, but because they were stuck on it it's kind of you know i've been it's been on the that consistent playlist uh the past few months i I meant to ask you this question before we dove in and i got just distracted as all hell talking about real big fish and (laughs) the gunshot wound that we're all gonna (laughs) inflict from talking about it um did your listening habits change at all during the pandemic did you get into things that maybe you hadn't experienced before what was that whole situation like? Did you find yourself being gravitated toward things, specific kinds of things? What was that pandemic listening like for you when we were really in it pre-vax? You are asking every question that's going to embarrass me, um, <laughs> which I guess I well, love for you. Yeah, I love I love it for me, too. So that's that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, Go during, for it. <laughs> yeah. During the pandemic, it, the reasoning is OK. The reasoning is OK. But during the pandemic, I was listening to a lot more like classic rock, even like Album, like classic albums that like everyone knew but like somehow i had like had never been into neil young like then had like a neil young phase but let's the, go dude yeah but the, the reasoning is that like i got um back into guitar after like really not playing most of college um that was like sure. kind of one of the main you know pastimes or whatever that i had during the pandemic to, to keep myself occupied so um was learning a lot of songs and like trying to play covers and stuff and so the most of the i don't know a lot of the fun songs to play are like classic rock songs you know what i mean absolutely yes 100 percent um have you seen the last waltz the scorsese movie i haven't seen that one watch that as soon as you can mm-hmm. i think it is th- i know people love stop making sense the demi talking heads concert film 
I think The Last Waltz is the best concert film I've ever seen. Wow. I like it more than Stop Making Sense. And I know that's high praise, and I'm not trying to overhype anything because I don't want you to come crashing back down to earth when you're like, that was fucking terrible. But Neil Young comes out and does Helpless with the band, and it brings me to my fucking knees every single time, dude. Damn. It's so good. I literally just listen to that the Spotify track of that sometimes. Like I'll just be like, damn, I just need the the last waltz live cover of <laughs> of helpless by neil young featuring the band and i'm like am i 49 years old <laughs> like what's going on my 57 yeah 57 75 years old like how fucking old am i um but he's great he's so good so, so good. i don't blame you from getting into neil young have you heard the uh, have you ever seen dead man with johnny depp Mm-mm. oh my god phil listen to me right now brother Neil Young did the soundtrack, the score for Dead Man. And it's a black and white anti-Western, quote unquote, as Jarmusch would say. Ooh, it's Uh, a Jarmusch. Okay, very Yeah, absolutely. It's a Jarmusch, black and white, mid-90s, Johnny Depp. Neil Young does the score, and it is electric, dude. I think you're really going to dig Dead Man. I think you will... If just only for the Neil Young score. You could honestly just listen to it by by itself, and it would be a masterpiece, so... Love Neil Young. Love that for you, Chef, that you're getting into Neil Young uh, during the pandemic. Anybody else who's maybe a surprise or anyone you didn't expect or how your listening habits changed? Um, overall, I, I actually think during the pandemic it was a little more, it, this sounds ironic, but like singles based. But it was, I think like, sure, I think having so much time actually like made me impatient in a way. Um, yeah, and like sure. I was always like kind of trying to catch a vibe because we were sad. Um, and so... <laughs> Um, I, uh, yeah, I was jumping around a lot. So I would say I actually like, you know, still was kind of sticking, like trying to stay up with like, what is happening, you know, just like, what is the general music discussion of the time? Like, obviously like Phoebe was really big that year and stuff. Like I'm right. trying to remember what else, but, um, yeah, I think I was actually Charlie like, XCX had a moment for a little bit. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I think I actually took the time to listen to a lot of like just like random old artists that I had never been into because that's awesome. Also, not a lot was coming out. So I think I kind of True. like dove into my my own library a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah. For me, for that version for me was watching The Sopranos from start to finish was my version of diving into the the old library there. I had was you like, seen right, it before? If, no. Well, uh, here's the thing. I had seen seasons one through one and two all the way through mm-hmm. before but like junior year of high school so it was like coming up on like almost 10 years ago basically like 10 like eight years ago or whatever and i'm like if i don't do this now i'm never gonna do this mm-hmm. shit you know like this is the time and i did and it changed my life anyway <laughs> anyway so you hear this album you know you're, you're like damn this is not really what i'm expecting i'm really into midwest emo right now for the lay for the lay people out there who maybe aren't as versed in different genres, how would you describe chiptune and maybe Midwest emo normally? Like, what's the normal type of sound? Like, what's a what's an analog that maybe people would know? And then how does this differ from what we normally hear? Oh, shit, what's going Midwest on? Midwest emo. <laughs> Midwest emo, damn. Fucking on the streets of fucking Brooklyn. Damn, everyone's pumping it all the time. Um... um but how how is how how do we distri- how do we define chip tune and Midwest emo normally, and then how does this differ from what we what we would expect? 
Totally. So I guess I'll start with Midwest Emo, which is like, um, again, like I think American football is like kind of like the flagship band and album for that. Um, you know, it's a lot of how, how bad is that? Should I wait? It's I mean, it is what it is. I'm not really going to fucking wait for right around for these these freaks wherever yeah, they, you live they could be to there like for be done. Hour. Yeah, um, we're just going to go go ahead. So, yeah, Midwest Emo, American football, I think. um it's it's kind of like an offshoot of punk but it's it's much um more technical it kind of has like clean guitar tones but it's um um a little more intricate usually and then the vocals are generally very very sad and like not like sung by like you not always but like usually like a white dude who can't sing very well but he's just you know they'll be super direct like you know some american football lines are like the summer's over and we're breaking up and i'm sad about it basically you know not a direct yeah. quote, but like it's like very like, you know, straightforward. But um, it's it's like music nerds. It's like sad music nerds. You know. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can have a reputation for being a real, little problematic within the scene or some of the people in there. Um, you know, again, it's like male dominated by like sensitive boys. That doesn't mean they're any right. um, any nicer to to girls, unfortunately. But um, overall, it's still a genre that I love because it's like yeah, it's fun with the music. It has like the the cool guitar playing, and then. Um, I don't know. I'm a sad boy from Salt Lake, so it 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 fits. I was just about to say. Sometimes all it need, all you need with with a, with a genre or with a band or with a specific you know artist is like, fuck. Sometimes I feel sad, and sometimes these guys know exactly what it's like to feel sad, and it hits you in that way. Nothing wrong with that, I think at least. So I say, I say, hey, don't be ashamed of the Midwest emo stuff. Be happy about the Midwest emo stuff. That's what I say. No, and I'm, I'm Chip, a proud emo boy. Yeah, so Chiptune. Chip Chiptune is, what the hell is that? I actually don't even know if I know what Chiptune is, like, right off the rip. For sure. I'll sincerely apologize about whatever the hell is going on out there. Um, it's not your fault. It's just, it's, listen, you must be, you must be literally like on the intersection of like Flatbush and like something. Like, you must be just in the street. It is what it's, it is. It's, it's a, it's a big block. Um, You're good. No so. Worries. Yeah, chiptune is like kind of came actually out of like people finding a way to like. It sounds like Game Boy music, basically. Like totally. Um, it's it's kind of that eight bit sound that you would get from like the original Pokemon songs and and stuff. Um, and but it 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 is similar to almost like emo and like math rock. It's like kind of technical. There's like usually a lot going on. You know, like sure. Like there's all it's not like slow and folky or anything like that. Like it's it's um you know again it's like made by music nerds but they're also just nerds and so they wanted to make music with their game boys i think is is kind of my uh my assumption um <laughs> so i think um i think crying kind of combines the two right i mean would you agree sure yeah this album is fucking awesome this album reminds me literally i wrote down this reminds me of playing sonic like when i was a kid like it reminds me of just popping on the Game Boy or popping on the GameCube or whatever I had, you know, at my disposal and just fucking <laughs> we it's insane what's happening in the streets of New York right I'm now. So it's like sorry. they but dude, it's literally it's fine. It's not your fault. It's just fucking crazy. Of course this is happening the, like for the very specific time frame that we're recording. Uh you might be getting some you might be getting some some special extra music dipped in there, folks, in this episode. I'm gonna try and take it out as best I can, but we'll see. Um, but no, this felt like fucking sitting down and playing a video game. And I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, sort of how I feel when I listen to, do you, uh, maybe this is, maybe this is uh cringe to say, do you like churches? Have you ever listened to churches? 
I like churches. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I'm like a like a stan. Like I don't know them super well, but you know, I I um, actually I've, I've worked with them ironically through Marshmallow. But um, oh, you have nice. Hell yeah. yeah, but um, you get the same vibe. I well, so we covered an album that's on the list called uh, Every Eye Open, which was their 2015 mm-hmm. release, and I didn't love it at first, and then I re-listened to it recently, like for the show like to for like because we're doing like we did like an end of year thing and i fucking loved it i was like holy shit like this is like exactly kind of what i need right now so it's not exactly chip tune it's like a little bit more like synth pop like a little bit more akin to gex like it's like gex light mm-hmm. almost you know in terms of like the craziness of the sound but i got the same vibe from this like this album is so happy and so you know joyous and so you know melodic and knows exactly kind of what they're doing they feel like very smart intelligent musicians what is it that you appreciate and like about this album so much yeah it's super fucking fun i mean it's just like energy all the way through even the slower moments i think like just like it's super palpable i think they were just like having a good fucking time making this music yeah. you know what i mean um i think like again like yeah there's some technical stuff like it like there's a lot going on usually like it's like kind of that wall of sound um feel but like it 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 doesn't take itself seriously at all and that i think that's the chip tune in there where it's like it's it it sounds like you know they'd make a song and be like at the end be like this is so fucking weird and like laugh about it but right. it's but it's like it's i don't know it's good you know um i think the singing is is excellent i think um, absolutely they complement her voice super super well um and it's i i i rock is like still ultimately my favorite genre it's not always sure. the danciest this this album you can dance to man like you want to yes. bop your head and move like it's it's it goes you know i think um and it's short you know what i mean like they they pack in a lot of fun yes. in, in like half an hour there there's some serious ddr vibes mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. with this which i didn't really expect like if you had just asked me like on a blind listen didn't tell me anything about this album or this you know didn't give me anywhere to Google anything and just had me listen to it. And you asked, where are these people from? I probably would have said like Japan or something like that. I would have probably said like somewhere in that region because it's just so overblown and so like over the top. And so like, you know, we're always going We're if we might not start at a 10, but we're always going to end up at a 10, you know? And that's, what's so fun about it is it's easy to listen to. And it just makes you feel good. You know, like we were saying, there's nothing wrong with just something making you feel good or something just really being in your feels. Sometimes that's exactly what you want. And that's how I felt about this one. Um, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for bringing this album into my life. This is like going to be one that's going to be in rotation for a while, actually. Um, what are uh, some of your favorite tracks off this? Hands down, I, I got to say um, uh, there was a door is like yes. just oh my god i think and i think that might have been the lead single not that like crying releasing a lead, lead single is like much <laughs> of a an event um right but that one actually is probably like a bit more of a mid-tempo song you know it doesn't sure. maybe go quite as hard but like um it's just such a bop man i mean like that's the one in particular where it's like i can't not move to it like my head's got to be bopping or something yeah. it's just like the rhythm's super fun um and I think it's a great example of the sound of the album. Um, it sounds like you you also dug that one. That was my favorite track on the album too. Absolutely, without a doubt. It was uh, that was like I kind of knew that I was going to be out into the album like right off the bat with a uh, premonitory dream. One of the uh, other best songs, I think. 
I agree. I think it's probably my second favorite, mm-hmm. like off the whole thing. And when Wool in the Wash comes in, which I noticed had over a million plays, like on Spotify, which I was like very surprised about, and I was like, "Damn, that's crazy that like any of these." Like, I just was like, "This out, who the fuck knows about this album other than like Pitchfork people? You know, like people who are like devotees of you know the pit, the Pitchfork world and you know the music, the music, you know, journalism world." I just never heard of this shit before. But hearing Wool in the Wash, even if it's not the most like. I don't want to say exciting. It was one of the, it was the, it was the song where I knew like, they're like very like technically talented musicians. Like I was like, these guys like aren't fucking around. They're taking the work seriously and they're not taking themselves seriously, which is like always nice when you're able to like feel that like in a piece of art, you know? Completely agree. Completely. I mean, it's a little bit like what I honestly like what I like to make regardless if it's like taking pictures or making a film or whatever. Sure. the work is serious, but like I'm not a very serious person generally. Sure, um, yeah. and I think that's I that's a great way to put it about them because um, you know I you can tell that like the way that they're structuring the songs and putting the music together and the melodies, it's it's there's a lot of intention there, but like the goal they're trying to reach is is again it's just like fun. Like that's the best word I can possibly attribute to it. Hundred percent. The goal is let's have a good time, and they hit their mark. One, I think I think they hit it out of the park. To be totally honest with you. Um, is there anything else worth mentioning about this? Cause we do have two other albums and I want to make sure we give them their, give them their time for sure. I guess, um, you know, just to, uh, make it clear about like the theme, like, again, I, the other thing I found very interesting is like, I can see music nerds being into this, the, like why like emo kids who are not always like, like a lot of like emo is like a scene, you know? So there's a lot of people sure. who just listen to that. Um, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the type of music where maybe like me, pe- music people, you know, um, listen to it among many other things but I've met a lot of emo kids that just don't listen to anything else but they sure. will also listen to this you know what I mean right and it's just like you can kind of hear it in the technical stuff but it's not sad like and it's no it's it, it's just it's it has a different sound so I found that very unique and then you know the last thing like I said I kind of have stories with each one the friend that I showed it to recently is a big music person. He's shown it to like his roommates and like nice. random people. He's played it at the bar he works at. And he says like beyond anything else he plays, people are always like, what's this? Like, this is great. <laughs> um, again, awesome. super fucking weird album for people to like be into. But it, it just hits, man. I think they just they made a great record. Yeah, for like 33-year-old guys who like work in accounting or like, you know, like finance or something just at the bar like on like a Saturday night or whatever being like, fuck, what is this like weird video game shit? You know, <laughs> just like fucking walking around being like, this kind of fucking rips, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just walking around the bar saying that this chiptune Midwest emo collab <laughs> really fucking rips, really, really fucking makes it really makes it work awesome it's awesome that it can kind of trick people into liking this like very specific sound also just because it's so damn infectious um there are i do have some fast facts about crying i'm only going to read the first one because there's not a lot of information about these guys uh other than i'll just say crying is an american rock band from purchase new york formed in may 2013 at state university of new york at purchase they consist of eliza santos ryan galloway Kinwin, I believe is how you say it. Kinwin Sterling on drums. Uh, they have released two EPs and released their debut album, Beyond the Fleeting Gales, which we're talking about right now in October 2016. Do you know if they have plans to release more music or like what's the deal? Are they on hiatus? Do you know? No idea. I mean, I think bands as small are working day jobs. Um, sure. Probably playing other bands too. Um, 
it's crazy to me that you would release something this good and not follow it up. But I know. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, but honestly, after that blurb, after that blurb, you know more about them than me, mostly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I knew their records. I've listened to their other stuff, but I do think this this is this is the one for sure. We Could not recommend Beyond the Fleeting enough. Gales. Yeah. yeah, Beyond the Fleeting Gales by Crying. You guys have to go out and listen to this if you've not heard it. It is really fucking good. Turning the wheel 180 <laughs> degrees. Uh, the next album that we got here is a 2013 album, three years before our friend uh, Crying released their album. Sunbather by Death Heaven. <laughs> just, just even on the names alone, it's like, holy shit, what are we getting into here? Uh What's your relationship to this one, Phil? How, how did this one come into your life and why did you want to bring it on? Yeah, I think this one, um, my story with it is kind of like similar to why I think it's kind of this genre um, or like this this breakthrough album for like a like a heavy metal record um, because, yeah, it got well reviewed by like Pitchfork and other places like it does. You know, you go it was super well reviewed album, like every publication loved it. Um, and Absolutely. got like a lot more press than, you know, I think most heavy metal stuff would. Um, and I found honestly just the album art really cool. Um, that's, yeah. that can be big for me. Like, Oh, that looks dope. Like I'm into that. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I listened to it and I, I really fucking liked it. Um, you would not know it's a metal album just based on the cover alone. No, no, definitely no. not. You would, I what I mean, I would, you know, I would look at this out, you know, I know what it is. You know, I've heard the album, but just based on the thing alone, to me, this looks like Arcade Fire, like type of shit, you know, with the color palette and like the fucking font, you know, I'm like, oh, this is going to be sort of in that realm of like alternative, you know, indie alternative, if you want to even call it that. But you get a little, you get a little bit more <laughs> for your, you get a little bang for your buck with what's going on here. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but so you, you, you know, you find this album, you know, from the, from the, from the, from the huge reviews, you know, from the very positive reviews, you throw it on in your ears. What are your, what are your initial reactions listening to this? Are you a metal guy like going in? No, definitely not. Um, yeah. You know, I think I had gotten touched it a little bit with some of the punk stuff. Um, that had some crossover, like I said, like I think Leftover Cracks probably the closest I got. They have some some sure. stuff, but um, yeah, this was this was heavy. Um, I've listened to heavy like musical albums, but the screaming is like really where I think it will. Where, well, some people will have to like it'll turn people off or take them a while totally. to get used to it. Is is the vocal specifically? Um, but I mean, again, it's one of those. I just thought it was really cool. I thought it was really well done, and I definitely like as someone who was like almost trying to like reject the arcade fire thing at the time like thinking that's yeah. like or like i leaned into it. i was like you know i'd walk around fucking chapman or whatever being like <laughs> i'm so badass like no one knows how heavy what i you know what i mean like, it's just so lame like it's so so lame but that's yeah that's where i was at when i was 19 you know um, swag so it was a uh, yeah i'm, I'm super curious to your thoughts but i also just think it's like beautiful like i think just the the soundscapes are able to create and like the the emotional roller coaster of the album as a whole um is like you know kind of worth the wait so to speak so believe it or not i had actually heard this before you brought it to me mm-hmm. uh our friend once again he's coming back thomas saradarian he like messaged me i mean we talk you know pretty often or whatever but like one day he just messaged me and was like, 
I really would like you to listen to this album. Like, I really do think it's like amazing. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, you want me to listen to like this metal album? Like, are you fucking crazy, bro? Like, what the hell? And I think it was because I had sent him. I cannot remember the name of the album, but do you know the band Power Trip? Riley Gale, R.I.P. Do you know Power Trip? I don't think so. Power Trip is a metal band, um, and their lead singer unfortunately passed away, like. 2019 2020 sometime in there um the one of the podcasts i listened to on a regular basis one of the hosts was like really good friends with him and so that's how i like heard about riley gale who was the lead singer of this band and like listened to the episode that he was on on this podcast and Mm -hmm. i was like i should give this album a spin because it was like touted as an album that was like even if you don't like metal this is like a very accessible metal album for people who don't really like like that shit normally and I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I did enjoy it. And so I sent it to Thomas and I was like, hey, if I like liked this kind of thing, where should I go next? And he was like, oh, you have to listen to uh, Sunbather by Deaf Heaven. And I was like, ooh, maybe not. That's a little scary sounding. I don't know if I'm going to listen to that. But one day he was just like, please, God, listen to this. Like, I love this album. I think you will actually really enjoy it. I'm like trying to do you a favor. So I just like drove around. This was like when I was still in Portland. I just drove around one day for an hour listening to this in the car just experiencing it from front to back. And I was very, you know, like impressed on a purely sonic level. I was like, holy shit, this is like amazing music. You know, like they are just like clearly such talented musicians and maybe apropos of the album or maybe just, you know, apropos of nothing. My favorite song is Irresistible, which is definitely the softest song on the album. It's the least metal track on the album and that's why i like the album so much is because it does go high to low really fast you know it's like there are moments where you feel like you're just kicking it into overdrive and they like can't stop and it's almost like collapsing in on itself and then there's these like little moments of respite you know where you just get to take a rest and you're like damn and irresistible being the second sort of track interlude thing on the album is you know pretty amazing like a little way to be like we're this is what this album is going to be it's going to be heavy it's going to be fast it's going to be strong and then we're going to mix it up on you. And that's why it, like, I think captured so many people's imagination, you know, like when it came out, because it's not your not your grandma's metal album, you know, for, for all intents and purposes. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, for sure. I think part of it is just a well-executed, you know, throughout the first metal band, not that I, like, know much about metal, but, like, to use dynamics and to slow it down, like, even Metallica, like, had its, like, pretty sure. twinkly guitar stuff, um, which is, I mean, Metallica's heaviest moments, I think, maybe they're heaviest would compare to this but like i mean this thing is (laughs) it's it's intense for sure it's super intense i mean it is screamo at like full-on screamo at times like it's like indecipherable to me what he's actually saying to me it's just like it's just kind of part of the background noise of everything else and i think that's actually why i like it because i think if i actually knew what he was saying you know like i'd be like fuck this like i'm just trying to listen to the music but because it just sort of becomes background noise and like part of the sound of the album, it's fun. You know, like it is there actually is like an element of like fun feeling these like 12 minute songs, seven minute songs just build. You know, I think that's fun. 100 percent. Yeah. And and to kind of get back to the point you were making, it's like you have these like, I mean, I, I think the first track is my favorite personally, Dreamhouse, um, the first or last okay. and Irresistible is up there, too. But like you could put on irresistible be like this is really pretty nice guitars but like you could also kind of get that from other like you know kind of indie bands that like sure make that i mean i think it's well done but it's just like a kind of you know riffy guitar interlude 
But to hear it after Dreamhouse. That's it. It's like it just hits, man. It's so crazy and so beautiful. Yeah. Like, I think this album is like one of the best examples of like kind of some of its parts sort of thing. But when you listen to it all, it's so much better than than picking yes. stuff out or that like, again, if you show someone irresistible, like it's nice. Cool. Sure. But like, right. It's it's like a spiritual experience when you get to that. And I think I feel that way about mostly interludes, you know, because and I like the heavy stuff, too, but like. It takes you so high, and then when like you land, it's just incredible. I think you're 100% right on. The reason why Irresistible is so good is because you have a 9 minute and 15 second just, you know, thunderous roar, and then you, like all of a sudden, very naturally, very organically, goes into what is just this elegant, soft, beautiful little, like, melody you know this beautiful little riff and that is the actually the magic and i think you're 100 right on that it's not the track itself it's the transition between the two and how amazing it is to sort of go between those two and the one that uh, besides that you know transition the transition from windows into the pecan tree mm-hmm. that is some that is some that is some earth shattering shit right there where it just like gets really soft and then all of it like a hard cut you know, back into the Mad Max, you know, universe of just this insanity. This album's crazy, dude. This is a crazy album. It's insane. Um, they haven't followed it up quite as well. I thought the one after New Bermuda was was solid, but um, it's insane. But I think like, you know, with our theme, I don't listen to metal, dude. Like this is not sure. really my bag, you know, and and I don't think you do too much either. Um no. A part of it is, again, I think it's truly great. Like, I think it just has crossover appeal. But I've also talked to metalheads who just roll their eyes at this album. You know, it's like it's the really? pitchfork crowd that likes it. Yeah. And I find that super interesting. Um, and and that, I think, is reactionary personally, because I don't know what you could say about this album that isn't metal. Like, it's not as riffy as it is. Like, it's that like kind of, you know, it's black metal. It's like it's like it's the, the, this whole sonic landscape thing. Um, sure but it sounds so fucking good man like that's the thing like it just it's (laughs) it's so cool it's so cool it's 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 like it's interesting that there are these metalheads that you're you know out there talking to who are like fuck that you know because i guess what they like at the end of the day is just the constant barrage of like sound you know the constant brother the not letting up you know because where this album is so successful is in the like you were saying the dynamics the dip from low to high and the and the rise from or excuse me the rise from low to high and the dip from high to low um and so if you're not into that you must just want 240 bpm you know just like straight to the fucking heart but i don't know why you'd want that either but also that's like crazy you know that's crazy to me but I just am like sort of in awe with some of the stuff that the guitar and the way the guitar and the drums interacting and the way that, you know, they're using like field recording and like source mm-hmm. material and like stuff like that to like make statements about religion and heaven and hell and the afterlife and stuff. And like, you know, your relationship with God and being like a mortal man versus like a spiritual being like there's crazy shit going on in this album. And I just don't know how you don't at least like appreciate it. You know, at the end of the day, like that to me is like wild that you're like, this sucks. (laughs) Like, you know, like, I don't know. Kind of blows my mind. Do you have any thoughts on like why maybe someone would just be like, fuck this outside of the vocals? 
So is is the someone being a, a metalhead who likes metal but doesn't like this album, or is it someone Sh- like sure that maybe that's one of our people? Maybe it's just you know someone who's not a metal someone who's not a metalhead who's like wants to listen to this for the first time. Maybe it's both people. I you know I don't want to speak for them personally. I think the metalheads okay. again. Um, I I think it's that it's I think it's that there's kids like me listening to this. You know what I mean? I think that's what it is. I think that it's like. Oh, now you like metal all of a sudden because this one fucking album comes out. Oh, that, like, sure. Has some pretty guitar parts and like got a good review on a bunch of, you know, publications like you're not part of the scene, man. Like and so it's sure. kind of like fuck, fuck this album and everything about it. And I don't they might like it. But I think if I because I, I just specifically remember like Chapman Radio guy after me had like heard my last thing that I played, which was something right. on this album. And he just came in and just just railed on me you know really wow and i've I've, this is a thing like it's and it's not just that one occurrence but that that definitely stuck in my mind that he you know he it was a big thing for him and he was like fuck you but like he was like fuck you you know what i mean like it was (laughs) like what the fuck are you doing man stop playing that shit yeah exactly yeah so um you know on the other hand like obviously like i'm not gonna show this to my parents or anything but i think if you're someone who's like open-minded enough like you know to watch or listen to something that you may not enjoy but want to appreciate or learn about, I think it's it's well it's an hour of your life. And I think by the time you get to these moments we're talking about, you will at least understand the appeal. Even if yeah, the nine minutes of screaming and crazy intense drums that I agree are so impressive. Um, just to comment on the music a little bit, like you were saying, sure. the guitar parts and stuff. I think the way that the screaming works within the texture i have no idea what they're saying no idea what the fuck he's saying but it just it 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 would it wouldn't quite work without it like i just think it's it's that it's a key piece um so uh i I had one more thing oh i did want to say i didn't know the themes of the lyrics because i've I've probably looked them up once but it sounds like it is kind of the classic metal like mortality 666 sort of conversation or it, it's I didn't do I didn't do a ton of research on the lyrics specifically. I did look up the lyrics to the pecan tree because I just was curious, like what is actually going on in that one. But like, what is it? Is it the second to last track? I think that's Windows? the last track or Windows. Yeah, Windows is the last track. W- Windows is the second to last track. There's like source material of like like a sermon happening. Like mm-hmm. there's like a field recording of like a sermon happening. And the band's name is Deaf Heaven. You know, like, so I'm like, there must be some shit going on here. But the fact that we can't really make out what he's saying, obviously, I think very purposeful because it's not really the point at the certain level. Like the point is to enjoy, I feel like this musical ride of these highs and lows and these dynamics and to have sort of your mind twisting in all these directions when you are being, you know, full throttle against the pavement to the, you know, the more quiet, more like elegant, gentle parts but the pecan tree is like a really sad song. Like at the end of the day, like it's about his like relation, like the lead guy's relationship with his dad. And it's like really fucking dark and like despondent. If you like read the lyrics to like what's actually going on in there so much. So to like that, I don't want to say like what's actually happening. Like everyone should just like go look that up if they're interested in like what's actually happening lyrics wise in that. But it's, it's intense. This is an intense album. Even in the quiet parts, it's intense. And that's like what I think, so magical about it is that even in the quiet parts there's like an intensity to those quiet parts even though we are going from high to low it's a great album (laughs) couldn't agree more 
Thank you, Chef. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say about this album? Because I do want to make sure we have ample time to talk about our last our last guy here, so to speak. Yeah, and this one could go a few places. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I think this, I'll just say this album's worth researching. The field recording you mentioned is interesting. There are other interesting field recordings um, in this album that, like, if you read into them, are, are great. Um, I'm certainly going to look up the lyrics of the Pecan Tree because... I'm a masochist and I want to know this sad fucking story, but, um, yeah. no, yeah, I think, I think we, we, um, I think we did its service. I think it's, it's a, it's a really good one. I'm just going to give some quick fast facts here about this because I do think this is a very, this is definitely worth an album and a band looking, you know, just worth looking into, but quickly here, Sunbather is the second studio album by the American metal band Death Heaven. After their release of their debut record, Roads to Judah, the then two-piece group consisting of George Clark and Kerry McCoy began working on Sunbather under the label Death Wish and recorded in several days in January of 2013. The recording process brought a third member into the fold, drummer Dan Tracy, who had gone to become a permanent fixture of the band. Sunbather contains seven tracks, four songs, Dreamhouse, Sunbather, Vertigo, and The Pecan Tree, and three interludes, Irresistible, Please Remember, and Windows. The decision to weave shorter interlude tracks in between longer songs were most made in the studio. McCoy wrote many riffs prior to the Sunbather studio sessions, some of which were featured, uh, featured a more clean guitar tone, and Def Heaven wanted to make use of them in some way. Clark commented, quote, some of the things McCoy was writing weren't fitting into anything in particular. They were their own little pieces. And so rather than trying to exhaust them in a larger song, we thought we don't want to waste these riffs. Maybe we can use them as interludes. Clark also said the interludes are meant to aid the flow of the album by complimenting other songs. And that Sunbeather is meant to be listened to, quote, in one sitting all the way through, like you were saying, Phil. It's it's the you have to listen to this thing all the way through to get the full effect of everything. Um, although Death Heaven has been strongly influenced by black metal as well as other diverse metal acts, their music drew comparisons from music critics to shoegaze, post-rock, and alternative rock. The trend was further continued on Sunbather. Their melancholic songs featured in the album include wall of sound arrangements that are found in many shoegazing and post-rock acts, producing dense sounds that sometimes break down into slower melodic parts that are then topped with vocalist George Clark's reverb-soaked screaming style of lyrics. The album also contains a few interludes that include sampling, field recordings, and droning. And I think that's where I'm going to stop with those because we have something very interesting to talk about that I actually wasn't privy to prior to you bringing it to my attention. So I feel like I'm actually about to do a whole lot, a whole lot of learning here possibly, but we're talking about a guy more so than an album, but just sort of sort of to ground it in a work. We are going to talk about to pimp a butterfly by Kendrick Lamar from 2015. What is your relationship to not only this album, but Kendrick Lamar as a whole Phil, and also your relationship to hip hop because I know in rap I know you saw you said that was sort of a not a new addition to your to your overall taste but something that you came into after you know you broke free of the chains of you of the Utah music sad boy scene yeah I think um it was the last domino to fall unfortunately like I consider myself a big music person but like wasn't into hip hop and it wasn't I was never like fuck hip-hop again i was just like i didn't connect with it didn't really like sure just frankly think it was for me um but yeah yeezus came out um i think that was easy to connect to because it was more industrial it had a heaviness that i like i was used to sure um, and you know took kanye from there um got into him and i think you know that was like when uh good kid mad city was like also like 
had recently come out. I think like that yeah. year, the year before. Or I think that both that and Yeezus are twenty twelve. Uh, Yeezus, I think, actually came out the year after, but I'll do a quick Google of that. But I think it was Good Kid, Mad City in 2012, and then Yeezus in 2013. But continue. But it was recent, and those were still, you know, going to parties and stuff. It's like, yeah, I knew, like, Money Trees and whatever, but, like, um, you know, actually, like, went into it, obviously, like, had to respect that storytelling so much. I think that's still my favorite Kendrick album. Um, Sure. And then I think from there, you know, became, like, again, not quite a hip-hop head, but, um, you know, just like to fancy myself a, a general music fan and, and love to listen to new ideas and stuff and um, have kept that up, you know, mostly with the bigger releases um, or at least with the, the, the artists that I really like. So um, other favorites are like Joey Badass, who's a New York guy. Oh, yeah. Love him. Um, you know, I like Young Thug. I like Playboy Cardi more recently. Um, Were you into Whole Lot of Red? Was that did that hit for you? I really liked the previous one. Whole Lot of Red has some standouts. I'm not going to sit down and listen to a whole lot of red more than once. Um, I agree. I, I agree. I actually like that is basically how I feel about Playboy Recording. I thought that first album was awesome. And I thought whole lot of red was kind of unlistenable actually at times. And, but there were some songs that I did enjoy, but I'm never going to go back and listen to it all the way through. That's I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm not alone in that to be totally honest with you. I, I think that's, if someone like is like rocking whole lot of red a lot, that's shocking to me. I don't care who you are. It's just like, <laughs> And it's not, you know, Cardi's cool. Like, he has his whole vibe about him. It's so unsurprising that he will make some duds. Like, and I think that's fine. I think he even, like, accepts that. Look, I don't, I don't want to sure. speak for him, but, like, I just think he, like, he likes to try shit out. You know, he has his whole, whole style. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's great. Like, I respect that. I'm, I'm not brave enough to do shit like that. So, um, <laughs> he's, good for uh, Cardi. Yeah, good for Cardi. Totally. So, um, but he's, you know, I definitely, like, I'm a fan of that that scene. I really like, um, you know, ASAP's cool. Um, I thought his uh, his album testing was underrated. Um, but yeah, again, like uh, I guess the, the, the other scene that I kind of like would be um, there's definitely like kind of like the more there's like a specific uh, New York. It's not like I don't want to say it's underground. And, and some of these guys have been getting more press recently. But like I've been listening to this guy Ka for a while. He's really cool. I'm not familiar with that guy. What's up with him? He's a Brooklyn guy, produces his own stuff. He's has like six albums. And but like he, oh. he actually just got best new, new music. But. I have been listening to him since before. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You got to take yeah, a word yeah, for yeah. it on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's cool because it's it's pretty minimal, you know, interesting wordplay, kind of like not the same rapping style, but very interesting wordplay the way that like, you know. Um, they're coming to they're coming to put you again. They're coming to put you under, man, for all these takes. You're getting going to get through. You're going to get thrown in take jail. For I think it's, I think it's just the two the two white kids listening uh, talking about hip hop <laughs> is probably the issue. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, he has uh, the. Um, I don't know. He he just has like a like a kind of interesting lyrical style, um, and. Uh, I'm trying to, th- yeah, there's, there's other people in that scene that I'm, that are, I'm forgetting now, but like, um, Kirk Knight is another one. So there, there's okay. kind of like a, like a Brooklyn, New York scene that I've been listening to, but sort of um, maybe like the Joey badass, like extended universe a little bit. Yeah. Like, like he's obviously like the biggest of them, but, um, yeah, yeah people within that, that scene, but Oh, the thing, the cool thing about cause like he's, he's a firefighter. So, um, Oh, let's go. He's straight up. He's straight up, uh, New York fire department. So that's pretty Damn. sick. Um, good for and him. It's just like a good ass rapper on the side. So, um, yeah. And then I guess the one other thing would be like, I've worked with a lot of hip hop artists, not really, sure. um, 
not really in the in the veins of hip hop that like are are for me at all or that I listen to, but like sure worked with City Girls, Coil Ray, right? Uh, worked on a movie called G Funk with with my boy Carm Gill, um, yeah, which is like classic '90s, and that stuff's all cool, but it's it, I don't really like vibe to it on my own. Um, yeah, for sure. So that's yeah, that's my relationship with hip hop. What about this album? What about what about Kendrick specifically yes, in Butterfly? You. Keep me on keep me on track. Um, I mean, I don't know. It was like the, obviously the biggest shit of the year when it came out. This was a massive fucking album. It is still a massive album. Like I re-listened to it for this. I don't think I've listened to it all the way through since it came out because although I did have the stipulation of like, oh, I was usually just like a songs guy and not really like that much of an albums guy. The one exception to that usually was rap and hip hop because I, in high school, that was my favorite shit was rap and hip hop. I have a, I had a friend in ninth grade who was starting to really get into odd future, you know, and he was like really into Tyler and really into Earl and really into Mike G Haji beats, you know, all that shit. So he would just put me on to like all this shit that at the time was underground. Like at the time was like not, super mainstream and he was into like schoolboy Q like right before collard greens dropped and stuff like that. Um, so I would like get all my shit from him. I knew who Vince Staples was in like 2011 and stuff like that. And he's like obviously been crushing it these last 10 years. Um, is that you? Are you playing that or is that? <laughs> it's a fucking mess. <laughs> this, is a fu- this is, this is a crazy app. This has, this is chaotic energy. Um, but all to say, uh, this album still feels huge, you know, six years later to me, to me, this still feels like a monumental release. And I remember at the time having liked good kid, mad city and section 80, I was like, okay, I'm ready for some more bangers in those style. Like I'm ready to like absolutely have some bangers and there's some bangers on this album, but this album is heavy shit. This album is, there's a lot going on. Uh, thematically and politically and personally in this album for Kendrick. It's staggering and it's hard to talk about for a lot of different reasons, mostly just because it's so dense. But what was your experience hearing this album for the first time? What, what, what was it like for you? What were you, where were you at? And what, it, what, what, what changed, I guess, if anything for you after listening to it? Totally agree with, with everything you're saying. I think it's like, um, you know, one, there's like listening to the album and you get through the whole thing and you're just like, you know, it's an hour and a half. Like you said, it's like at one point it's just highly political with like King Kunta and All Right. And then it gets so personal. He's talking about his relationship with his dad and then he's never there. Yeah. And, you know, his struggles with, with substance abuse and, and there's a million and things. Depression and, and stuff. And, yeah. yeah. There's a million things like that are impossible. You know, you could write books about it. Multiple. You could write a fucking. You, you could know, do a whole album about any one topic that he's covering in this album. You know, he's 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 hitting every seemingly like every major theme that in his career that he's ever covered, it's covered in this album. Totally. And, and he actually does it, you know, the fact that he's able to do it in a single album, I think is impressive. And then, you know, he also is talking about the history of hip hop, you know, in the last track with, um, you know, his relationship with Tupac and and his music and his dad. So it is a behemoth and, you know, obviously we can't cover it thematically all today, but like that was part of the journey is like uncovering those little pieces, having different favorite songs, because I just feel like it was one of those moments that when an album was dropped, um, it recalls like lemonade to me when it's just like, that's all anyone. Oh, sure. Is listening to, you know, there's like a few weeks at least 
um, when that's that's kind of all that that's being talked about. And then the music videos who accompany it, you know, All Right is like an all time classic. But absolutely. But there's so many different styles. You know, these walls. I think that's the one where he's like drinking in kind of the cage that looks like the Silence of the Lambs cage. That's what <laughs> I thought of. Yeah. Um, and you know, so that was a whole journey too um, with with the visuals. And I think like it really just. Um, you know, more than anything, it was super fucking impressive that anyone could pull that off. Like, if anyone's going to, it would be someone like Kendrick. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I would say that because it's so big, I would agree with you that I don't listen to it that often. It's like, totally, you know, I, I a song here or there, like, do actually, I think separate than maybe like what we were saying with Def Heaven, you could pull a song here or there and just listen to it. Absolutely. Like the bops, which I respect that he was able to still do that. 100%. You're hundred percent right. Uh, you feel that like you could you could put on all right. You could put on yes. um, the opener, King Kuta, these walls. What is the is Wesley's theory? Is that the opening track of this? Incredible yeah, opener, is. incredible, amazing. Thundercat, George Clinton, unbelievable. You yeah, you could put on uh, all right. You could put on. I I was I gonna mean, say you could. I was was gonna say you could put on Black or the Berry, but but not probably not that one is as much. Even though sometimes I will I will just seek that one out because I think it's you know fucking incredible and just sort of you know vibe and really listen to what's going on there uh i'll pull that one out just for myself but you're 100 percent right there are songs on here where you just can pull shit out and you can just listen to it as is but just like with deaf heaven sunbather sunbather by deaf heaven this is best listened to all the way through because it is this is like one of the best albums i've ever heard at like really telling like a story you know and i think he's an amazing storyteller i think he is it's hard to do in a non-visual medium i feel like to do storytelling in that way and every time i've listened to this i think this is maybe the third time i've listened to it all the way through at most probably the second but i'm just always so impressed with his storytelling even in something like section 80 which is a little bit more vignette you know and not as like much of a giant sweeping thing the storytelling here is off the charts. It's ama- I'm just staggered by it. He's an amazing storyteller. I agree. And I think like the way he's doing it is so interesting. Like, you know, I think like, again, good kid love. I think the storytelling is like kind of like a classic hip hop thing where it's he's using his words and his flow to weave a story. And there's vibe, obviously, the production. Like, I think a good example of like even elevating his storytelling is like the little musical quotes he has. Like, Annie, are you OK? And King Kunta is like he is oh, not sure. only like, you know, it's like he's literally like referencing like a controversial artist. Maybe it wasn't quite as controversial at the time, but like that's not just him telling his personal story. Like he didn't good, good kid. You know, he's, he's weaving in like, like literally like centuries of black culture from like, you know, um, where these stories come from, but even as recent as someone like, like Jackson, you know what I mean? And I think the, the ways that he's able to do it are, are super interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the thing feels like a damn movie for sure. Like it's, yes, it's it's crazy um but if i may i think given how much we are lauding this album okay um, which kind of you connects, may yeah i mean <laughs> you can do the honors i don't mean to i don't mean to take it no no, no no you I, I literally please literally please you are the one who brought this to my attention and i was shocked to hear this to be honest with you because in my head kendrick and kanye are sort of my two favorite rap hip-hop guys they just are sort of two sides of the same coin to me in terms of like what i look for in a in a rap hip-hop artist kanye obviously is like talking about shit it's not just you know club bangers but kendrick's doing it in a way that's 
extremely personal and also culturally significant and also like a greater collective consciousness. But you told me something that I thought was very interesting and I had never considered even once. So what what is that thing that you want to you want to bring up and is well, I love crazy? Con- yeah, I love that you brought up Kanye, too, because I think these are um, special. I would say I would say I don't know who more, but they are both rappers that mostly white people listen to and talk about at this point. Um, okay. You know, again, I cannot speak for what all of black America listens to, but I think the fact that we are here talking about this album so effusively, and I just um, don't have many black people in my life that ever talk about Kendrick. Um, So where I got, where I was first cued into this, sometimes my friend Amanda would be like, oh, you guys fucking love Kendrick. But like, that's her just also giving me shit. Um, Sure. But... If you recall on the slam show, actually something we worked on together. Yes. Um, it, this is, I guess for the listeners, this is a, a kind of like a, a late night style show for YouTube, um, for slam magazine, which is basketball culture magazine, um, where for, we, you know, you, we have a host and we have guests who come on and we played, you know, like Fallon, except small and, you know, with basketball. <laughs> um, but that was a reference, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. and probably as corny as Fallon as well. Um, <laughs> Well, when when you throw me in there, it just it brings the corn factor up by like a hundred million percent. So yeah, it, corny is corny as Fallon, and I'll I'll wear that on my fucking as a badge of honor. But hey, am I uh, direct corny shit? So it's fine. Um, <laughs> but on the Slam Show, we had some USC guys. Yeah. So so our host is named L, and he's he was like a senior, just graduated from from high school, and he is. Uh, we bring on three uh, like USC like freshmen or sophomores. Um, to be guests on the show because they're like relevant in the kind of high school basketball scene. Like they have viewership, right. you know, they have a little following. Um, and you know, one of the games we play is like, or one of the discussions it's had is just like, who's the goat? Like who's the best rapper? Yeah. Um, obviously like these kids are a little younger than us, not that much, but also like Kendrick is like a working rapper. Like he damn yeah. came out a few, like he's relevant. Right. Or like we yeah. like to think so. Um, he did not come up. He was not mentioned. He not, not a whisper of Kendrick. No one even after was like, you know, none of the other producers or other people from slam, you know, no other, no other people's people of color mentioned Kendrick Lamar, frankly, not Kanye for that matter, though. That's not as surprising to me just cause he's so controversial that yeah, like Kanye's kind of got his own universe and Island of weird shit that turns people off outside of everything else. So that yeah, is he, not as surprising. That's just his own thing. Like I don't even, yeah. it's like you love Kanye or you don't, but like, in a hip hop discussion, it's like you, you're bringing in too much baggage. But Kendrick, like tried and true, like rapper, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he doesn't have a lot absolutely. of controversy um, and was not mentioned. And some of his peers were, you know, like J. Cole, another working artist. Uh, sure. Obviously, like a lot more younger guys were talked about, um, like Roddy Rich. They were like super into absolutely. at the time and stuff. But, um, you know, Gunna, I don't know, you know, like little baby, like a lot of like the the more up and comers, like the people that are more recent. But yeah, it was even guys so, who were like really hot, like in the moment, not people who had like put out a couple things. It was like, oh, these people are like on the come up seemingly, you know, but but Drake and J. Cole. I mean, those guys have been around as right. long as Kendrick. Um, sure. And to me, like Drake's cool. Like, sure, <laughs> I guess. But like I, I'm with you. I, 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 I got some Drake in my life and. It just hits exactly where I need it to. It but is. To com- it never. It never fails. It never fails where you want it to. But like to compare yes. any Drake album to 
to Bim and Butterfly, it's like laughable. Yeah. It is laughable. It's like, get that shit out of here right now. It's like, don't eat. Yeah, it's like not even, it's not only is it apples to oranges, it's like apples to broccoli. You know, it's like not even in the same like food group, actually, in, this, in a lot of ways. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so fucking different, man. Um, and again, like maybe that's just, you know, and, and, and maybe it, it comes down to that where like, it's such a political album. It's so personal. Like, you know, when, you know, maybe as, as white guys, we put on, you know, the, the headphones and listen to an album like that because we, we want to empathize and understand a little more. And that's like part of what that's about. Um, not that he necessarily made it for white people, but like, you know, I can, I can kind of see like a, a high school black kid not wanting to like, okay, like let's listen to like all of this fucking problematic right. history and hear about this, you know, this guy's tough personal life too, that I might relate sure. to whether, you know, possibly like they just want to listen to fucking bangers from Drake, you know, and I get that they're in high school. Like that's yeah, cool. Absolutely. And the, and it, it is, you know, like you were saying, I don't fucking throw on to pimp a butterfly, like on the, on like every month, right. you know, like I'm, I'm going to seek that album out maybe once a year at most really just to give it its due probably not even like i said i think this is at most the third time i've ever listened to it like all the way through probably like only my second time listening to it all the way through and if it is the first time since it came out in 2015 i just want i want to listen to fucking marvin's room i want to fucking you know if i'm on the daily i want to listen to fucking laugh now cry later which i will defend that song to the fucking end of the earth bro i think that song is a banger Laugh now, cry later. Really, I love that for you. I really, I really <laughs> love that image of of driving AirPods in. Whatever, whenever you listen to that song, just send me like a selfie because I, I want to know in what context <laughs> Noah Marger has that bop in. It's literally that was like my number one song of like part of the pandemic. That's fucking <laughs> was, crazy, dude. That's was fucking laugh now, crazy. cry later. It was that, and it was actually someone we talked about earlier. Um, Jeff Rosenstock's Twinkle. Do you know that song? Is that on We Cool? What's that off of? That's off I Look Like Shit from 2012. Okay. It's, um, the, it's the first track off. If you don't know it, I'm not surprised. That album is like not like his like most shining, you know, beacon of whatever. But I do think Twinkle is like a top 10 Jeff Rosenstock song. And it was my number one song of 2020. And so it was that <laughs> and Laugh Now, Cry Later were like my two big songs for like when i was really in my feels like during like thought like pre-vax yeah, those two shit. that's an iconic duo for sure those two songs <laughs> yeah, can't wait for the fucking you know for the fucking collab from those guys get the <laughs> stew drake goes sprite mode you know jeff goes like orange soda mode or whatever it is you know um but yeah, I mean, so, yeah that's sorry that's just fucking, so fucking, fucking cold ass segue just cold ass segue back in the but to Pimp Butterfly really, really is the shit. Well, to, um, to, yeah, to round it out, like I, I approach yeah. you with this thing where I just I, I think part of it is the critical acclaim. I think part of it um, is that he's he's almost so popular and so like lauded. liked by white people, lauded, yeah, by like yeah. the media, which is obviously like predominantly white and everything. You know, I think having Obama as cool as he is, like bring him to the White House and be like, I love this album. It's super dope. Sure. Like. I think it's kind of lame. Like I could like not for me, but sure. like it's kind of lame. And I think just like I can see it just kind of being like dumb to say that he's the goat from that perspective. Um, like yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a cool factor to that. And maybe the way that like Roddy Rich or DaBaby or anything has like maybe a cool factor or even J. Cole for that matter. Right. Yeah. I think he's 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 
uh, I mean, he is a bit of an institution now, again, with the visuals yeah. and with how big, you know, he is. So, um, you know, I, I am curious, like, I don't know what your listenership looks like, but um, I'm, I'm super curious, like, how accurate this is on the whole of like, you know, just frankly, like how often are like, you know, people of color putting on Kendrick? Like, I obviously like, right. He hasn't put out anything recently, so none of us are listening to him, like, all the time. But, like, you know, all my fucking white music friends, not even necessarily music friends, but, like, everyone likes Kendrick from from Section AG to Untitled to Damn. Um, and I just, I'm not sure. I, th- I think the, I think he's unique in that way, and he's so good. But I'm, I'm curious who his audience really is. You know what I mean? It's a really interesting point, and it's something I never considered that deeply i just always thought well everyone likes this shit because it's that good like i was like how can you not like this this is so impressive and like emotional and like powerful you know just at the end of the day it's such powerful music and maybe you know like you said it's not specifically to pimp butterfly as a whole you're probably not throwing that on like on the daily or on the weekly or on the monthly just walking around you know doing your errands and shit but he does have that shit out there like that shit exists like there's a lot of songs on damn that i feel like are just like bangers you can just pop in little tracks damn Same is thing almost with that Good Kid, album City. in a gen- yes. in general you know he i think it's kind of what he was going for almost of just like you know he still has statements on there but like i think he is like just fucking throw this on whenever man like Go for it. hundred percent. hundred percent. And it's something I never really considered. And so I'm glad you brought that, uh, that perspective and that question to mind. I would be curious, you know, do people of color think Kendrick is actually the goat, you know, or something like that. Be interested. Uh, this has been, <laughs> let me play it real quick. People talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw that in at, at some point. <laughs> I yeah. made that specifically for this for this moment. So oh, this has been that? white people talking. I made that. Yeah, I made that. Uh, this has been white people talking about rap. Phil, thank you so much for zooming in with me uh, on this. What is it? Cloudy day actually in Los Angeles on October seventh, twenty twenty one. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to talk with you. This is the part of the show where you get to plug anything you want to plug. So plug away. Oh, I don't know how much of a plug. I just want to say I appreciate you and bringing me on and the patience oh. you had with the the pre-production of the show. Um, <laughs> Plug-wise, I'm okay. I don't have much of a okay. social media presence. So, you know, just if you want to talk to me, you uh, you can find my email or my website or, you know, whatever. You can hit me up. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks again. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Your web, his website <clears throat> for anyone who wants to email him <laughs> will be in the show description. So definitely just check out the website. A lot. There's it's amazing. You know, you're, you're being a modest guy, but you've done a lot of cool shit and you're what? 27 soon. 26. But I appreciate 26 that. Currently. Yeah. If someone you've wants to yeah, watch cool my shit. shit and let me know what they think or take me down a peg. That sounds cool too. <laughs> the coolest thing I think is the slam show with me, but you know, there's a lot of other cool shit on that website besides me being in the slam show. I'm going to do some plugs then. Can I, can I get off a couple plugs real quick? Is that okay? Go plug away. Thank you. You can follow this show on social media on Instagram at my favorite underscore podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at my faith pod. There's a link tree for myself and for the show. Check out, those take you everywhere you need to go, including links to my other show. It's on the list with Noah and Mason, 
which Phil almost <laughs> which Phil almost went on, but didn't, went on this show instead. This week, we're talking about the short film Editing by Dustin Guy Deffa. The album William Shatner Has Been by William Shatner, which is, that's a great album, and that's my pick, and I'm going to stand by it. Uh, and the movie Midnight Special, directed by Jeff Nichols from 2016. Uh, and this week, you can listen to Mason and I's appearance on the other movie podcast, the better movie podcast, Aya versus the Big Boys. We will be talking about Silence of the Lambs with Aya and Kevin. Don't know what. Don't know how that's. Gonna, don't know how that's gonna go, but very much looking forward to that experience. Uh, that'll be out. I think. What's let me let me make sure I get my dates right. I think that comes out Saturday the sixteenth. Saturday the sixteenth of October is when I believe that will be out. Don't quote me on that. Do not throw me in jail for getting that wrong. But that's it. Phil Vernon, thank you so much. Will you help me say goodbye to the folks? Yeah, appreciate you. Um, I'm mostly concerned about getting out of this apartment without the cops catching me because they've been fucking oh. circling due to our from our ska conversation. So <laughs> wish me luck. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for for all the listeners for sure. It's been a fun time. It's been fun. Thanks, guys. Uh, see you. Uh, the next one will be from jail because that's where Fed, Phil and I are going right now. So thanks. <laughs>